Friends, God has bound himself to the sacraments. But God is not bound by the sacraments that he himself has instituted. God is bound by the sacraments. He's bound himself by the sacraments. But he is not bound by the sacraments that he has established. This is a, a view that kind of uh, articulated by St. Thomas Aquinas and has been kind of a, a mainstay in the, the Catholic tradition. And the idea is this, that God has, throughout the scriptures, this is part of a revealed religion, is that God has established certain privileged ways of knowing him, privileged fonts uh, of his grace, privileged, privileged access points, to his power. And he's given us those. At the same time, he can work outside of those. So he's bound to them, meaning he said, if you, if you try to encounter me in this way, in this place, I will be there. I promise you I'll be there. I attach my promise and a guarantee of my presence if you're there. At the same time, I can work outside of that. I'm not bound by those restrictions. I can shower my divine blessing wherever I want to shower. I wanted to get at this because uh, the first reading in the gospel, the first part of the gospel, work on that second view, which is God can work outside of the normal bounds of where he normally operates. They incline in that direction. I wanted to start by a text in the scriptures that works in the other direction, the first position. Whenever I teach the sacraments uh, to RCA or different groups, I always start with the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. And the story goes like this, if you're not aware of the story of Naaman. Naaman is a, he's a pagan king and army commander, and he comes down with leprosy. And there's a, a girl from the state of Israel who's been uh, captured in his territory. And this girl speaks up and she says, hey, if you want to be cured of leprosy, you should go see this really cool prophet in Israel named Elisha. And I bet he can heal you of your leprosy. And so this guy who doesn't know the God of Israel, but he says, well, it's worth a shot. So he, he decides to go to Israel. And he gets there and he finds Elisha and he says, hey, can you, can you cure me of my leprosy? And Elisha says, no problem. I just need you to go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. And immediately Naaman balks at this. Right? He gives two really interesting objections. He says, first of all, like that's too ordinary. Okay? Like that doesn't make any sense. If you, like, if you told me to do something crazy, like, I don't know, walk, you know, a thousand miles or something, like, I would believe that maybe this has something to it. But just to go wash in the river, that doesn't make any sense. And by the way, uh, you should be able to do that just by divine power alone. Right? You should be able to just say, I heal you, and you should be healed. Why do we have to introduce this mediating power of water? You should be able to just do it yourself. And then there's another interesting objection. He says, also, there's great bodies of water where I come from. 
Okay, you shouldn't have to do it. I shouldn't have to do this in the Jordan River. Right? I have two great rivers by in my country. I shouldn't have to do this in the Jordan River. So he says, this guy can't be the real deal. And so he leaves. Now, luckily, his servants get to him and they say, they say, now, listen, uh, Naaman, if he had asked you to do something crazy, you probably would have done it because you would have thought it was like how God was going to bring this about through some crazy thing you did. Okay. And the second thing is, why don't you just try it? Why don't you just go down to the River Jordan, wash seven times? This isn't a big deal. And maybe it works. And so his servants prevail, and Naaman goes down, washes in the Jordan River seven times, and is cured of his leprosy. I love that passage because it speaks to sort of the scandal or the craziness of the ordinariness and the particularity of what God has established. Right? He has the same objections that we might have. Like, why water for baptism? Like, why can't I just use orange juice? I mean, like, like, what's the deal? Like, bread and wine. I mean, the, the scandal of the ordinariness of what God gives us as the ordinary means of encountering him in the sacraments. Right? We object. We're like, no, this can't, it can't be this concrete and particular and ordinary. It's got to be something crazy, extraordinary. And it should be available and accessible everywhere, not just in these particular manifestations. But yet, throughout the scriptures, whether it be the Ark of the Covenant, whether it be the temple, whether it be the temple of Jesus' body, whether it be the particular gifts that God bestows on the Israelites and then in his church, there is a concrete specificity to which God says, you can find me here. You can encounter my divine life here. The readings today offer the other side of the point. That God can work outside those concrete, specified manifestations of God's grace. And so Eldad and Medad in the book of Numbers, they're not there for the formal, right? God's spirit wants to be, God wants to be uh, 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 more present than just Moses is. And so he, he pours out his spirit on 70 elders. But two of the guys, Eldad and Medad, who are on the list, are not there. But they still get the spirit even though they weren't there, and they start prophesying in God's name, and Joshua of Jackson, he's like, um, Moses, they didn't go through the formal rite. They weren't at the privileged ceremony that we were at. They should not get the spirit. They should not be doing this, right? And Moses, in an incredible act of humility, says, like, are you envious of them? Would not that all of God's people be prophets? And then, of course, in the Gospel, John says to Jesus, hey, there's people doing, like, deliverance ministry and, and good works outside of our group. That can't work. We have the privileged access to God's divine healing power. This, this rando over here who's doing these good works, like, he, he's not one of us. God can't be doing stuff through him. And God says, Jesus says, it all comes from the same source, same divine power. So don't stop this guy. He's tapping into something. He's not against us. He's with us. So that's the other side, that God can work outside of the boundaries that he set up as the ordinary means of encountering him. 
And I feel like today, we love these two extremes. Right? We love these two extremes. Right? We either say we're sort of cavalier or casual about the fact that God would actually give us privileged ways of accessing him. Right? Whenever, um, you know, I get to know a lot of college students, and of course, they all think I'm going to do their weddings. Uh, which I tell them, you're going to have to pay for me to go to your wedding if it's out of town, you know. But anyway, I, you know, they all say, uh, can, will you do it on a beach? I said, no, I will not do it on a beach. They think because I'm kind of cool, whatever, <laughs> that I'll do it on a beach. Um, I will not do it on a beach. And they said, well, that's stupid, Father. God's on a beach, too. And the first thing I say is, have you seen some of the things people wear on the beach? <laughs> that is far from God. Okay. But, no, it's not that God can't be on the beach. Of course he can be reflected in the, the beach. I love the beach. But I believe in this. I believe that there are privileged places of encounter with God. Places consecrated for God's purposes and for sacred use. I believe that God has given us privileged fonts and vessels in which we can encounter him. That where the body of Jesus is in the Blessed Sacrament, he's more present here than on the beach. I believe that. Doesn't mean God can't be present on a beach. Right? That's the tension. That's the tension, right? But we are, we are so quick to dismiss it. Like, like we can just substitute for what God's instituted and say it doesn't matter. But I think the story of Naaman says there is an ordinariness and a and a particularity and a, and a specification to what God has instituted for us. On the, on the other hand, the other extreme is I have, a totally, I have a total monopoly on what God does. Right? I know where God acts, and God only acts in the narrow confines of the box that I have created for God. Right? This is what Joshua and John in the readings today, that's what they, Joshua says, no, there's no way someone's prophesying with the spirit outside of the people that were at the particular liturgical celebration that God instituted. And Moses says, no, 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 God can work outside of that. Don't you dare think that you have a monopoly on where the spirit is. And John, similarly, there's no way, Jesus, that some person that isn't in our inner circle can have access to God's spirit. And Jesus says, Yes, they can. Because God is not bound by the boundaries that he's instituted. He can shower his grace outside of those ordinary means. That doesn't mean there's not ordinary means. Doesn't mean he doesn't want us to worship him in the ways that he's established. But it does mean that it's God's prerogative to determine whether or not he showers people outside of faith with his divine blessing. I think we have to rest in that tension and be comfortable in that tension, right? I think about it all the time, that, that tension between the particularity of God's revelation and the, the view that God, of course, can be so present in a variety of ways. My final comment is that uh, this was the weekend that I was instituted, installed as the pastor three years ago at the 6 p.m. Mass. So the readings, these were the readings. And I remember my homily for the students that night was that 
that great line from Moses, would that all of God's people be prophets. The reason the Spirit has to be installed and deposited to the other 70s because Moses can't be in all the parts of the camp. Similarly, the priests right, cannot be in all of the parts of your lives. That's why you are called to be prophets. I cannot be in the dorms. Right? I cannot be in the dining hall. I can't be in your classes. I can't be in any of those things. You're the prophets with the power of God's Spirit that are called to be commissioned and to bring God's power and truth into the places where it needs to go. And so that final call uh, of, of Moses, that great line, would not that all of God's people be prophets? As we wrestle with the tension between God's particular revelation and the, the incredible vastness and diversity with which God can, can disseminate his, his blessing, let's remember that we all, empowered by this mass, right, are called to go out and to be prophets of God's message in the world.